You're listening to the weekly Joel Klatt segment podcast. Listen to it live every Wednesday between 8 and 8.30 a.m. during the football season. Presented exclusively by Audi Flatirons in Broomfield. Exceeding your experience from the first mile to the last. Right down the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline, it's time to bring in former Buffs legend. I can't wait to talk some CU football with him. I am very excited because it's been a lot, very Bronco-centric, and understandably, the Ugh. last couple of days. But this man and I need to have a conversation here coming up about the Buffs. Matt Smith in for Mike Evans alongside Stink this morning. It's Joel Klatt presented by Audi Flatirons. Joel, how do you fix a quarterback who can't see the field? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, That's a good question. Um, I think that there is a misconception that quarterbacks see the field well. Um, Let's start with that. Okay. okay? So if, if, if you... If you boil it down, like most quarterbacks are playing on instincts and study habits and what they know of structure of football, even guys that are really tall, you know, because offensive linemen are tall and, and windows are, are muddy. And what you have to do, this is why you study film. You know, if I just saw everything really well, I wouldn't necessarily have to study film. You know, you, th- there are pictures and there are snapshots of what you see on the field. Now, granted, I wasn't a, a super tall guy, and um, I, I guess it would be different for someone that was that was six four. But there's there's snapshots at like uh, pre snap, and then at the snap, and then you feel the movement that's going on because. What you have to understand about defenses and uh, and about defensive structure is that their movement is a cause and effect. So one guy's movement is going to cause an effect in a different area of the coverage. And so your study habits and, and what you know of defensive structure generally and of that specific opponent is going to give you a picture in your mind of what that coverage is and how you're going to attack it. Now, similarly, route structures, I'm not going to see my players, but I do know what the picture is supposed to be, and that's why spacing and timing are so important to a passing game. And and when a quarterback is not playing within those elements, right, when, when, when he doesn't understand the structure of what he's playing against, and when he's not anticipating and he's not playing on time in terms of his own spacing and timing of his offense, that's when it can feel like, well, he doesn't see it. Well, I, I think seeing it is a misconception. I, I really do believe that there's only a couple of quarterbacks out there that are tall enough to actually see things post-snap. Coverage is a feel. Coverage is, is about study habits, and it's about structure and and. Stink, you were just talking about, you know, like empathy, understanding what another person is going through. I think that the biggest trait or the or the best trait that a quarterback can have when it comes to the understanding of defense is really diving deep into understanding the cause and effect of movement on the defensive side. Because generally speaking, defenses have to move like a wheel whether it's two wheels on the field or one wheel on the field, you know, movement is going to, it's either collapsing on each other on, on itself or it's rotating. And, and once you understand that, then you start to feel out is the middle field 
Open is it closed? What does that mean to the, the to the innate structure of de- defenses generally, and then that specific defense that you're going to see? Long answer to a simple question. I, I don't think you can teach uh, necessarily a quarterback how to see the field better uh, as much as you have to learn how to uh, feel and understand the pictures and the cause and the effects of, of the movement of defense and what that means to its structure. Uh, you know, fascinating. First of all, it. bravo. Yeah. First of all, bravo. Right, but Round of applause. I, I would like to know what you look at as a quarterback. Like, I always had things that I would, you know, key, look at. Like, I'd line up in, on the line of scrimmage and I'd look at linebacker position. And if a guy, you know, if they were bossed over a little bit, like, okay, I'm going to get safety rotation strong. I know, like, you just know, right, based upon where guys, they could be eight inches off of where they should be. And you're like, okay, I smell this. This something's coming, right? So it's how you see that game and, and what you look at when, when you're a quarterback and you're dropping back, what is it like? Where do your eyes go first, Joel, based on the concept and everything? But I, I know that, but where do your eyes go first? What do you see first? Well, the, the, the first thing that, and then I touched on it on the last answer. The first thing that you have to understand is like, is the middle of the field open or is it close? Okay. And does that mean is is there two safeties? Is it split safety defense or is it single safety defense? Because mm-hmm. that tells you a lot right away right. Um, about the nature of the coverage. For instance, if it's middle field closed, then the outside player, the flat defender, has deep responsibility. So, therefore, we have free access. Now, they might take that away with an underneath runner, but you have free access. So... If I want to throw a dropout, a hitch, something on the outside, I generally can do that. The reason that I would want to do that is because anytime the middle of the field is closed, anytime, and this is tried and true, they have, the defense has the run advantage. They have one more hat than you can block, period. Mm-hmm. Every single time that you close up the middle of the field. So that doesn't matter if it's one, three, or any variation of, of those coverages. It can be man, it can be zone. They have the run ratios. That should tell you a lot right away. One, if we have a, a, a run play on, is this a tank run? Like, can we run it against a plus box? Well, I, I'm not sure. That's game plan specific. Now, if it's a pass play, it's going to tell me everything I need to know about the nature of coverage. Like, do I have a jam corner? jam corners are very different than bump corners again, because bump corners can have deep responsibility. So I can convert a hitch and I can throw a fade route. Now, if I've got a jam corner and I've got that same hitch or a little out route, and that's going to convert to a go route, I'm probably not just going to stand up and throw it because that split safety, you don't play a jam corner into a closed safety. You play a, split, uh, a jam corner into a split safety, like cover two, and he's in a reroute technique. So now I'm throwing a go route, but I can't throw that go route into a split safety look unless I've got some sort of hash hold. So now what is the concept? Okay, so there's, again, there's so much going on, but you have to have concepts, specificity, and then you have to understand what the safety coverage is. Now, if I'm in a run call, what I'm going to try to figure out is, one, is it open, is it closed? And then, two, what type of run do we have called? If it's a tank run, we probably want to run it to a specific technique. So I'm going to go down and I'm going to find the hawk. We used to call it a hawk, the three technique. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go find the hawk, okay? So is it split hawk? Is it tight hawk? Which is the way you, we used to call it. Some people call it over and under defense, whatever it is. Is this a run concept that we want to run to the hawk or away from the hawk? Is this a, is this a, a run concept that we want to run you know, at the support defender or away from the support defender? Are they rotating? Does it look like a blitz? You know, some some teams really like to blitz to the one technique. 
So, like, is that rotation happening? All of this has to happen um, on every single play. And and then specifically, I guess, to answer your question, like, depending on the, the pass concept, if it's zone, I'm going to have a movement key. Okay, so let's just say for simplicity's sake, we're going to run Z-Curl-Ligo, right? 22 Z-Curl-Ligo, something really simple. Well, I'm throwing it off the hook curl defender on that curl side. Okay, so my eyes are going to immediately go to him, and I'm going to make him wrong based on my flat curl read. Okay, now if, if something happens, then I can throw the check, check down. Now, if it's man in any concept, I'm going to immediately just run my progression. So I'm not looking for a specific defender as much as I am just feeling the coverage, and I'm saying, okay, one, two, three, four, five, first open man gets the ball. And you've got to anticipate those windows, and you've got to anticipate who can be – um, a matchup winner. So I guess that would be kind of where my eyes are going to go. It's so dependent on, on all of those things. And you have what, Joel, 20 seconds to figure that out, five seconds, 10 seconds to really figure that out pre-snap before you have to do it all on the fly? Did you say 20 seconds? If no. You're, if, this this, all, happens, this uh, all happens. Like, you might get to the line of scrimmage and be at the line of scrimmage maybe for four seconds, five seconds, really max. You know, if you're get, if you're holding your offensive line up there six, seven seconds, they're sitting in their stance too long. You right. know, so right. this is happening like three seconds before the snap, and then once the ball is snapped, this all all of this takes place under you know one and three quarter seconds, two seconds, something along those lines. Well, that's that's a lot of time to figure out a lot of different things, right? And, and with Russ, it just seems like he's having real trouble processing information. Joel, do you think Russ can be salvaged with a new coach? Do you think that's possible? Or do you think this is a bigger systemic issue here? Well, I'm starting to, to really believe all these people that I know that are from Seattle and have been around Seattle mm-hmm. um, for any number of years. And it's like, there's a reason that they were willing to let him go. Um, I, I don't think he was playing well when, in the last you know year or two in Seattle, and he's played atrocious this year. And what we've seen throughout the history of really any sport is like once it's over, it's like it happens really fast. And this guy is playing awful. I mean, it's it's really bad. I don't know if it's salvageable. Um, I think that it would take a really good roster around him and, and it would also take a coach that is really committed to, you know, forcing Russ to play a very specific way. Remember like his, his game, the athleticism needed to play his game is important. And as he gets older and loses some of that athleticism, just, you know, from a age perspective, you know, he's not going to be as effective. And let's remember, his most effective years as a quarterback came when, let's be honest, he wasn't making a lot of money. And that roster in Seattle was very deep and very good, and they could rely on run game, and they could rely on defense. And so he was able to be a piece of a very good roster and team. There weren't too many years, if I can, you know, in top of my head, I can't really think of any where he had to be the catalyst for that team, and they were still a right. great team. Right. All right, shifting gears a little bit, and I'm stealing this question, Stink. I'm sorry. Got to no, do please. it. 
It's the circumstance. Yeah. Coach Prime has come in, Deion Sanders, Joel, and I believe the recruiting class for 2023 was ranked 69th overall prior to his arrival. Well, right now it's the 23rd overall recruiting class in the country and the third best transfer class in the country. He's been on the job about a week and a half. Is he really making the type of waves we think he's making in the across the college football world? 100%. You know, this, this guy is... I mean, he's, he's dynamic now and I am ridiculously excited for what's going on. This was a year in which you're just trying to salvage a class and he improved it dramatically. I think that you improve your team and in the immediacy of year over year through the transfer portal. And they've clearly done that. Um, this, this is going to be a much better football team and, and now I'm, I'm starting to hear from people within the recruiting circles. It's like the 2024 class is going to be really good. And like, listen, it's going to work. He's a really right. good coach. They've got a really good staff and, and recruiting is the lifeblood of college football. This team is going to be much better. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they went to a bowl game next year. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised in the coming years if they're competing at the top end of the Pac-12. And if you're doing that, then you could potentially see the Buffs in the playoffs in the, in the coming years. I truly believe that. That's, that's crazy that's to think about. In which they're recruiting. I, I, you know what's, what's crazy to me is the impact not only he's had on recruiting in the college football landscape, but I, can, I could make a case and draw a line between – him and Ed Reed getting this job at Buthane Cookman. Like, I, I don't think there's any question that when you get a dynamic leader, and Ed Reed is a great human being and a great leader and a great you know former football player. Um, I think people are looking at that going, this is a this is a a viable kind of connection piece to to get your school the recruits it needs to actually compete. And I, I think there's no question he's having a huge effect nationally. Oh, there's there's no doubt, and you might see this, but. But again, I, I do think that it, it might, you know, others might try this, but I do have to say, like, Dion's a very good coach, mm-hmm. and and he's in it to mentor young men. You saw some of the videos of, of the post-game uh, locker room after that celebration bowl when he was consoling the tight end. Like, this is, this is a guy that is you know, at least in my estimation, you know, one of, one of the very strong mentors in the sport. And, you know, I, I, I believe that he will work. I believe that he has a very specific plan. It has worked at Jackson state and I believe it's going to work at Colorado. Joel, have you fought one of your producers yet for the role for the Nebraska game? I mean, I don't even have to fight. I'm just like, I'm on full on sales mode right That's now. Right. I'm like, That's right. like, I'm just selling. I, I think Stink knows a guy named Derek Crocker in our, in our building. He handles all of our college football picks and I'm, I'm emailing and texting our programming department fairly regularly <laughs> just with like button pictures. And then I'll just text them like we coming, we coming. And I'm like, <laughs> another four star, another five star. Here's a transfer. Yeah not so subtly saying to them like, Hey man, we, we probably need to be in Boulder for that one. That, that would it. be, you know what? That would be, that would be freaking awesome. That'd be amazing. It you would, deserve that be. call. That would be cool. You that deserve cool. that call, Joel. There's no question about it. Thanks so much for your time this morning, buddy. You got it. You guys yeah, have a good one. All right. You too. That is Joel Clad presented by Audi Flatirons. 
Hello, this is Ryan Watson, Vice President and General Manager of Audi Flatirons and Audi Boulder Service. When was the last time a dealership delivered the experience you were looking for? Have you ever felt that buying a car was solely about making the sale? It should be about the relationship, beginning with your commitment to do business with us and continuing through the years to follow. Our team is dedicated to exceeding your expectations from the first mile to the last. Come see us in person or visit us online at AudiFlatirons.com or AudiBoulderService.com. 